It's time to get it, and you know how we get it. Americano! The podcast about all things business and personal growth with your host, Eric Vonheim. Today, I have Antonio Rodriguez on the show. Antonio, how are you doing? Hi, Eric. How are you? Fantastic. It's a beautiful day outside. It seems like life is coming back into the community. For sure. What's your take on that? You think things are coming back to life now? It's been a while. Definitely, definitely. Everything is normal a little bit yeah. now. <laughs> what is normal now, right? I mean, I feel like that is something we're all searching for, right? Is normal what it used to be pre-COVID or is normal now just something different? It's very different. I feel that normal is more like being around people that you really care about yeah. and doing the things that you love because we were withheld from that normality for a while right oh my gosh it's so true right you know it's interesting i was having a conversation yesterday with um somebody that i know on linkedin within the business community and they had reached out to invite me to like one of these bni events just sort of a business networking event and it was interesting because in the course of that conversation we were talking about how during this period of time where everybody's sort of you know went internal so to speak um in their, in their own worlds, uh, they have reevaluated their relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've reevaluated what was important to them, where they want to spend their time. Um, yeah, it's been very interesting, I think, in many ways for a lot of people, right? Definitely. Uh, I feel that we were so lonely in a way. Yeah. We were with family around all the time, and it makes you think, who is really worth my time and who is really worth my energy yeah so definitely that makes you think what is valuable in life that's what, true what am i doing that is important what am i doing that is significant for others and for myself yeah i couldn't agree more with you do you feel like you've personally made some conscious decisions as to how you want to spend your time moving forward definitely yeah yeah and then there's other things that have been reassured um what I want to do with my time, how I want to, who I want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. And um, also new projects, right? Yeah. Things that you would think, oh no, maybe I'm not going to do that because it's scary yeah. or uh, I'm afraid to go out there and do it. No, that has changed. It's like, you know, I have to go for it. Life is too short. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and as you're saying that to me, knowing, um, you know, sharing some information with our guests on the show today, you know, I know you to be this just go-getter, hustler, entrepreneur, which is why I appreciate you being on today's show. And I want to talk about you and your story and how you came to be. So for our audience, um, Antonia is just always after it. And she has been working for herself uh, for a number of different years. And she has a unique business, uh, definitely a first for this show. She is in agricultural, uh, the agricultural industry and has a farm outside of the United States. So Antonio, where is this farm? <laughs> I know, but maybe our guests wanna hear. So I, uh, I own an agribusiness in Colombia. Okay. Um, I inherited it from my father. My father passed away and I took over the business. I did not know that was gonna be my life yeah. after, after that happened, after he passed away. Wow, now when you, and I'm sorry to hear about the, the passing of your father, when you, when you were growing up, were you exposed to the farming business to any extent other than just seeing that this is what your dad did for his livelihood? Yeah, so, um, this has been in my family, the business. My father was a cattleman. Okay. He um, he owned the business way before my family owned it. It's a generational business. Okay. So it was my great-grandfather's land. Uh, it was actually owned by my grandmother after my, my great-grandfather passed away. <laughs> wow. So the person who inherited the business was actually my grandfather who married my grandmother. Okay. Because, wow. you know, back then, uh, women were not allowed to own the business or run the business. Really? There yeah. were some restrictions within Colombia about the, the property rights I or running the so. business? That, yeah, that was back in the 1900s. So oh, wow. It was a long time a ago. A long time ago. And then uh, my grandfather inherited it and he, you know, he did great. 
and uh, then my father did and his siblings. And it was divided when my grandfather passed away. And my father kept it. He kept it going. He worked along with my grandfather. Okay. And um, he was just amazing. It was not even his work. You yeah. would look at him and it was his life. It was his passion. It was his passion. He was wonderful about it. Mm -hmm. So we would go with him to the farm for vacation. Vacation was okay. at the farm. So your home, and I apologize for interrupting here, but your home was outside of the farm? Yes. Because yes. it's my understanding that some people within this you know, industry actually live on the farm, right? They live there and then they work there. But your situation was a little bit different. Very. So um, my father uh, owned the land, but he would go back and forth to Bogota. I will, okay, let me let me give you a little context here. Yeah, please. So, let's let's, just, let's kill this <laughs> onion back. Let's go. So I was born in a small town. Uh, the name is Sogamoso. I'm going to make it famous in here in your podcast. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, we. Well, I want to hear more about this place. So it's it's like four hours away from Bogota. Okay. And then uh, my family, my mom got a job in Bogota. She's an attorney. And the family decided to move to Bogota because of my mom's job. Okay. So my father would go back and forth to the farm, you know, do his business, come back to Bogota. Uh, I was about four years old. We went to Catholic, very traditional family. We went to okay. Catholic school in Bogota, me and my sister. I have an older sister. And, um, and yeah, we lived there our whole lives. I'm pretty much from there. Yeah. And, um, and then we would go to the farm for vacation, just, you know, and time there it was it was just so fun so at this age i mean when you're that young and you're going to a farm i mean this is just a playground for you yeah right yeah. there's animals there there's yes. dirt there's you could run around you could be loud i mean that's a dream yeah i mean we would go watch my father work um in the corral and bring the cattle yeah. go horseback riding um watch the sunset the sunrise I remember back then my yeah. sister had this huge camera, you know, that huge uh, video recorder camera. Really? Yeah, it was huge. And she would just wake up with my father first thing in the morning and record the sunset and the sunrise. That uh, was like an adventure for them. It was like, oh, it's coming out. Do you have the camera ready? Yeah. yeah. This was so, video? Yeah, in so, the 80s. <laughs> wow, so does your, wow, I mean, that, yeah, hey, she was ahead of the time. Yes, yes, ahead of the always, time. always. Does she still have some of that footage? Uh, yeah, in beta. You know, yeah, you the, put the cassette. Yeah. And <laughs> Has she taken the, the time to get that converted so she doesn't lose that content? I mean, it must be precious, right? Because your father's in that content, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah, definitely. Know. Wow. So, I mean, so she didn't even know that she was recording a piece of time, a piece of history yeah. that would be so treasured to this day. Yeah. So uh, my fam, my father and my mom were always really, really ahead of their times. They always gave us the best education, the mm -hmm. best opportunities. They traveled a lot. Yeah. Um, my father back then, he, he even went on a ship to Europe in, when he was in his 20s. Really? With my Yeah. With uh, my uncle, you know, my mom always traveled for work. Mm -hmm. She came to the States. And every time they got the opportunity, they would take us. Uh, so you've been traveling since a very young age. Yeah. I, I've been really fortunate because that's, they wanted to show us the world. They wanted us to have the opportunity to see other things. Wow. Do you feel like that has had a significant impact on you on your own personal journey throughout life and your relationships and how you interact even in a business in a professional setting? For sure. Yeah, I definitely gained a lot of cultural competency and uh, even my, so did my sister. You know, yeah. we we were able to do all these amazing trips and learn different languages and well, no different languages. We, we only speak to English <laughs> and Spanish. Well, a little hey, that's bit, you fantastic. know, you go out there and you kind of get, get immersed in at least two or yeah. three words. Yeah, <laughs> you, you need to understand the basics. <laughs> yes, yes. And then you'll be good. It, it also helps, though, if you're living in the country, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember when I used to live in China back in 2007 for about a year and had an opportunity to learn how to speak Mandarin, which... A lot of it is very lost now, but um, I can still count. Yeah. I can still say thank that's, you. That's a difficult one. That's yeah. very difficult. It was interesting. It was more tonal, you know, okay. different tones. So you could, tr you know, just a slight sound difference and you call somebody a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us right back to the farm. Okay, so you're on the farm. You see your dad running this this business, but at this age, do you have a sense that you know your dad is the boss and he's running the show, yeah. 
or do you just see this as a, a big playground that you go to with your family? No, both of them. My mom and dad <clears throat> were always the boss. Yeah. They were always out there doing whatever they were, they were passionate about. That's what I saw my whole life. Yeah. I did not see it as his job that would provide him an income okay. or anything like that. It was his life. It was, it was his way of living. He just He loved it. Yeah. And so and my mom loved her her job too. She you know, And these are two different I mean industries. Your your father's a farmer and your mom's an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about, I want to shift gears just a little bit because we're kind of running these parallel tracks with your mom and your dad. Let's talk a little bit about your mom. What leads her into a path of law and what specific law is she studying? She did um, public public law mostly. And um, she was just working for communities always. Okay. Um, very passionate. It's more, I, I'm, I'm not very sure about the term in English, but it's yeah. mostly like law for the um, Is it contracts. Contract law, yeah. so, okay. Contract law for the, for, with, um, contract with the state. Contract okay. with the, yeah. Okay, so she was, uh, she was very fluent uh, with the law and she was, was she equally passionate or do you feel like that was just a career choice for her? She was absolutely passionate about law, about yeah. her life. Yeah. Communities. She was always working with community. Yeah. What's um, the conversation like between your mom and your dad at that time? These are two totally different industries. I mean, absolutely. they're 180. Yeah. So it's funny because one of the things I remember the most is my mother and my father sitting in the living room. Sometimes my father, my father was very strict with his schedule. Okay. So he would just, you know, wake up at a certain time, eat breakfast at a certain time, lunch, dinner, mm -hmm. and then sit down and have his coffee and read wow. when he was in Bogota. He was a reader. Yeah. So if you go to, still, you go to my parents' house, you see the library and there's books uh, that belong to my mom from law school books that uh, that are my father's books yeah. my sister's uh medical books huge encyclopedias yeah big volumes yeah, right <laughs> huge and then my political science books yeah so it's it's hilarious we have very different backgrounds this is just a powerhouse of education and knowledge <laughs> and pursuit of success yeah and my father he never went to university yeah no he didn't he, that his life was mm -hmm. the farm and the cattle. Wow. Yeah. But yet he had all of these entrepreneurial characteristics within him. Oh my God, absolutely. Absolutely. So the first building that was built in my hometown was built by my grandfather. And then my, my father inherited it. And it became this building with lots of businesses. It's still out there. Wow. Yeah. And Oh, and this is this is the funniest thing. My my grandfather was passionate about cattle and about bulls, so okay. he built a bull ring in the town and okay. donated it to the city. The wow, I mean, <laughs> so the entrepreneurial side of the family comes from there, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're just surrounded from every angle mm -hmm. in your of your childhood with um, with you know strong worth ethic and you know, good discipline and you're just, you're just exposed to all the good stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, what was interesting about your comment about it being a very, sort of a generational, you know, family business, it, it's always remarkable to me because I feel like how do families keep those things intact through the generations? Because with people and siblings and you know, when family passes away and then, you know, things get, you know, sort of dispersed or, you know, people, you know, siblings are upset about who gets what. How do you keep these businesses alive? I'm always fascinated by generational businesses. Within your specific situation, was it fairly natural? I mean, did that business just sort of pass down as if, well, yeah, this is what we do and let's keep this going. So maybe you can bring us a little bit forward and talk about how, how is it that you kind of get into this business? So, and, to, and what were you doing prior to that? I mean, <laughs> to, to answer your question, no, I never in my life thought that that I would end up doing this. To be honest with you, each one of us ha had our own different path. Okay. Um, my sister became a doctor. I was a political scientist, and I was working. I worked with government. I worked in the public sector, private sector. 
I worked with nonprofits. And the last job that I had was here in Santa Cruz, right okay. before I t- taking the agribusiness. I was working with a law center, a nonprofit, um, helping DACA applicants and mm-hmm. doing policy research. Okay. And um, all of a sudden, my, my father passed away suddenly. You know, you never think that your father is going to... Yeah. At least I didn't think my father was going to pass away. He was just such a strong man and and still riding horses and everything. It yeah. was sudden. And not only were we going through the grief mm-hmm. of that happening, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a tsunami coming. Yeah. So I never ever thought about taking over until you know we we foresaw this and we said okay we got to step in because this is this is his heritage a little before that okay in 2009 in 2000 in the year 2000 he started planting uh oil palm tree oils old oil oil palm trees okay and um and he created a business out of it he did it in different phases so 2000 he started then in 2000 uh 2002 he did uh, another phase of uh, of this and then 2009 and then 2013 he he had different um parts of the crop and one day in 2009 he gathered me and my sister and he said girls this is going to be uh, I created a business and this yeah. is going to be, uh, this corporation is going to be yours. Okay. And we were, we said, so we were puzzled and we said, okay, dad, thank you. You know, that's, yeah. that's very cool. And you're much just, older at this point. Right. So are you out of college at this point? Yes, we were out of, uh, yeah, we were working on our own thing. I had, I was already in the States. I moved here with my ex-husband and my son. Okay. He was, uh, he's an American citizen and he, 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 he was living in Colombia and then we decided to move here okay. for his job. And you know I was already here, and uh, and I said thank you, Dad. I mean that's that's awesome. But yeah, what is I mean? What do we? What do you what do, do we with do? that? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, I mean I know that it's an agribusiness, but I had no idea about it. Right. We were just we just had equity in the business. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, "You guys need to learn because one day I'm gonna I'm not gonna be here, so it's gonna be your business." So we started coming to Colombia and uh, learning a little bit about it. Not much. I mean, my sister and I would take turns and yeah. go with him. It was fun. And um, and then when this happened, uh, not only the cattle business, but also the oil palm yeah. tree business was there. Uh, and we had no idea what to do. It was literally a tsunami coming yeah. our way. I rolled up my sleeves and I said, we need to take, we need to know how this works. Yeah. And the the goal was to sell. Wow. So, I mean, you were, you were in a fight or flight situation, like to your yes. previous point. I mean, I can only imagine you're dealing, you're grieving the loss of your father. You're much to your point about it being a tsunami of things that are now coming your way, having to deal with that. You're here in the States. You know, you. I assume your mom is back in Colombia right, at the in time. Columbia, yes. And, you know, you want to be there as a family and that yet you got this business and I will make an assumption that you have employees on this farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So we have employees, we have the, the business running and he needed to keep going. Yeah. But we had no idea how to run it. We had no idea how to do anything. We, okay. What does it require for a tree yeah. to grow and produce uh, fruit? What does it uh, entail? What kind of maintenance you do? How much you profit from it? There were so many questions. So how many Google searches did you do? Because <laughs> I feel like I would go right to Google to try to figure this thing out, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. So we started going through documentation that my father had. Okay. We, you know, we would have conversations about it, but each one of us was in our own world, sure. right? Sure. So we started talking to the accountant. We started talking to his friends and uh, I went to the farm and I said and I talked to the person that was in charge so he had three people in charge okay and um one of them was let's call him the main supervisor okay um at the beginning he was very nice and he was giving us information not a lot whatever he could give us sure sure and then uh and then we had another guy that was in charge of the health of the trees because you kind of have to go rounds and check that the trees are doing good and producing okay. and not and healthy. 
um, that there are no pests, stuff like that. Uh, so I said to them, this is going to keep going. Uh, just tell the harvesters that they're going to keep doing their job. It's yeah. okay. Um, and then... I, and then I started overseeing all these things. How do I know that this tree is doing okay? How do you... Right. Just so many questions. So I said, I have to hire the right people here. I have to hire an agronomist that gives me a general assessment of how everything is working. Okay. And we have to hire a veterinarian to count the cattle and know that it's good and w- what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. That was the first step. Was that a natural instinct for you? I mean, given that you, I mean, you're educated and you, you rational, you know, you're rational and you think through and you do research and do you feel like that was fairly innate in you that, you know, you, you get to the farm, you know, you identify, okay, what do we have? You know, what are we doing here? And then think through what we may need and then just start bringing in the pieces and building that team. Building the, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was natural. Honestly, I needed experts. I needed people to tell me what, what was happening, what state everything was yeah. in. It's interesting that you, you know, I'll sort of deviate a little bit on this is something um, with, even with my students and when I'm talking about entrepreneurship and building the business is I always try to share with everybody that, you know, there's kind of two types of entrepreneurs. There's ones that feel like they have to do everything in the business. And obviously in the beginning that, you know, sometimes that's reality. You know, you're kind of owner operator, right? Because you don't have the capital to bring in the people. But at some point, you know, you don't have to do everything. You just have to be resourceful enough to be able to bring in the right team. Because quite frankly, it takes a team to run a business, right? It does. Yeah. It does. You know what else is really just stands out to me? Um, and I don't want to miss this point, but your father, I mean, he was forward thinking, right? So, you know, I mean, I obviously I did not know him, but I just, from what you've shared, it's as if he had this business, you know, he was cultivating this business, he was tending to this business, but at some point he was also thinking ahead and not just for himself, but for his daughters. I mean, that in itself just speaks volumes to the character of your father. Yeah. When you were talking about generational businesses, uh, you know, my father was very clear to my mom. He said, I just want to have two kids. Why? Because I don't want any problems uh, with inheritance or anything. They're going to get along and they're going to do great. And that's what's happened really? between me and my sister. And that was just, he predicted that. Yeah, because you, he went through a lot with his uh, siblings. Okay. One of them in particular. And we have we have farms right next to each other. Right? So <laughs> okay. It's, it's hilarious, <laughs> right? Um, uh, with uh, my close the cousins that i that i hang out with yeah. it's it's amazing but we don't we don't mix businesses at all right they have their business we have our business sometimes we talk about it but uh but you that, don't talk business you just yeah, but there's a relationship there there definitely okay. but that was something that was ingrained right. since we were very little like you do not mix family and business it's, unless it's your sibling it's very difficult you know it's um it's definitely high risk Right. Because unless you have some clear expectations from the start and you can really trust, you know, both people in the relationship, you could almost just break up the whole family. And there's a number of families that don't talk today because of, you know, business issues. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's it's remarkable that you you were fortunate enough to be in that situation. I was. Right. So you take over the business right? So to speak, you, you get involved in the business. Um, you kind of figure out what you have, what you need. What's that first year look like for you? I mean, do you, do you leave the law center in Santa Cruz? Do you just, you know, do you head to Columbia for a while? Do you, and what does it look like for you in that first year? And by the way, how's your mom holding up in this process? And I mean, I'd love to understand some of the dynamics here. So, uh, you know, I was living in Santa Cruz with JJ, with my son. And um, at the beginning, I thought, oh, I can handle everything. I can handle my job. I can handle the farm. I can handle everything at the same time. <laughs> oh, you were going to keep yeah. the job? <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, you, I knew yeah. that I had to step in. You were an overachiever, Antonio. Oh, thank you, Eric. But it, it's kind of lack of knowledge of what's coming up. Again, it's a yeah. tsunami. You're like... Watch, oh, I got it. I can run. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, so I, I, I go. I, uh, I 
So the first thing that I did when I got there was yeah. I went to the oil mill that we sell the uh, the fruit bunches from the palm, and I understand yeah. what the business is like. Okay. So then you start to educate yourself. I about started the to business. yes. I started. I said I need to understand every yeah. single part of the process in order to uh, manage it. Yeah. Otherwise, how and, and then sell. Yeah. So then, uh, then now, I can I can I touch on something now. You're, is it fair to say that you're coming into an environment that's predominantly male? Uh, I would say 99.9% male. Okay, yes. okay. And here you are charging in. What What's that like from a female perspective coming into a predominant male industry, ag business, um, where they had been dealing with your father for so many different years and you're just showing up to the scene? Are you... Are they, is it sort of welcoming? Is it, yeah, here's what's going on, Antonio. Let us care for you. Let us hold your hand and walk you through this and teach you. Or do you feel like, man, you got to put the gloves on and, and go to work a little bit? People shut down, literally. The workers shut down. They were like, uh, even, even the supervisor said to me <laughs> uh, along the route when we took the agronomist there, he said, you know, Miss Antonia, you know you're a woman and... Nobody's going to listen to you here. My sister was there with me. <laughs> and, and I said, really? Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's see. Um, they would not give us information at all. Oh, they were yeah. withholding all the information. So we would be, you know, kind of going through it with the agronomist. What, so what was my father trying to do here in this lot? Uh, yeah. What was the process here, there? And then the guy at the end of the day would, answer the question interesting he was he was very it was very difficult to get information from anybody so you kind of had a blank paper there mm -hmm. so yeah. you know what's interesting to me on that is it seems rather counterproductive right so it would seem to me that the people that maybe they have a certain feeling about you know male female bosses right that aside it seems rather counterproductive to me because I mean, wouldn't you want the farm to be successful so you can stay employed and take care of your family? Exactly. No, that was not. I think, I th I honestly believe yeah. that they thought they would just keep running it however they could. And you would be back up I, in Santa Cruz? Yeah. Surfing? They, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and I don't know if you serve or not. But. Yeah, no, they probably thought, uh, you know, he's the... Don Antonio, that was the name of my father, yeah. he would, he's just gone, so this is going to be for us, and maybe we're going to run it and yeah. make profit and stay here. Wow. Because we, uh, again, we would go, but we would go sporadically. It was not something that we would be doing all the time. Uh, they thought we had our lives, and yeah. they never expected that. Yeah. So um, to answer your question, uh, I went back to Colombia. I foresaw that. I yeah. needed to be there more often, and I went back and I resigned. Um, unfortunately, I said, oh, I'm just going to put this on hold. Right. Um, that is, was is that still on hold? <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> you know. You haven't gone back. Yeah. Okay. No, no, but I, I've been able to do really fun things at the farm that have to do with community, which is what I was doing there. Okay. That's, that was the breaking point. That was something that merged, but I'll tell you eventually about this. So um, I decided to go back to Colombia, but then I had my son and I, you know, I really have been living in the U.S. for a long time. My yeah. son is American. Yeah. He, I didn't want to disturb his life here. His father's here. So I thought I have to move back to Orange County so that uh, he can spend time with his father while okay. I'm gone in Colombia. That was convenient. And I realized along the way, a year uh, after that, I could spend more quality time with JJ yeah. while working from home. From and JJ's here. your son? My son, okay. yes. Um, I could spend more time with him while I was working. I was, you know, uh, working at home. The pandemic hit me since then because I started working remote ever since then yeah. when I was here in the States. Then I would go back to the field, oversee everything. Wow. So, you know, that was that was a huge opportunity, a huge change for me. It's remarkable. You know, as you're sharing this story, I think about just some of the challenges that, you know, entrepreneurs face just running their business locally 
let alone running their business outside of the country. I mean, you're here in Orange County and you're running a farm that's based in Colombia. Mm -hmm. Wow. And traveling often. <laughs> and traveling between. Yeah. And you have a son. And I have a son. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. Do you sleep? Uh, I Well, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> okay. okay. I sleep well. I sleep a few hours, but I sleep really but well. But you're, you're efficient like your father was with his time, I presume. Uh, I think so. I hope so. Yeah. You, that was challenging, though. I must say that I always thought that I was not efficient enough before pandemic. Right. When pandemic hit and everybody started working from home and saying, oh, my God, I'm working so much. I work much more than I work at the office. I thought, oh, my God, I've been working like this hey. since 2014. You're, you're like, hey, <laughs> welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a little yeah. validating. Remember, we had conversations mm -hmm. about this. Remember yeah. about uh, how I would tell you, oh, my God, working from home before pandemic. Sure. It's hard. I feel like, yeah. you know, I need I need I need to go to exercise. Mm -hmm. I need to do other things because I feel like I'm always working. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Right. And the other thing that's very easy to do is um, stay in your gym clothes. <laughs> <laughs> right you can always I always feel like you know you could tell the work at home people because they're just in their gym clothes all day yeah, long right yeah, um yeah. there's there's definitely pros and cons to it i can certainly relate having worked from home myself too you know i feel like for those that are working from home and you you tell me what you think antonia is that you really need to have some boundaries yes. right you need to create a schedule for yourself and you need to treat it like an office and I would also encourage, and I tried to do this when I was working from home, is I'd get dressed up. Yes. Because, you know, there's just a feeling and a vibe that comes across if you're in your gym. And I'm not discounting people that if you're in your gym clothes right now and you're working from home, you know, no, no disrespect. But there's a certain energy and posturing that comes across if you get dressed up to go to work. You know, For there's sure. a feeling of confidence and maybe the delivering your message and, and how serious you take it. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on this? I definitely agree with you. Okay. I dress up every day. I, I'm very set on my schedule yeah. with exercise, uh, breakfast, start working, sometimes start working earlier because time di time difference. Yeah. Is uh, are now uh, Colombia, is it three hours ahead? Three hours ahead three right hours now. Ahead. And then yeah. it's going to, when it's two hours, it's amazing. When it's three hours, oh. sometimes I have meetings at three in the morning. Oh my here. gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. It's farm wow. time at the same time. So, you know, farm time, it's early. It's, yeah. Why is that? Because can I, can somebody explain to me why, why do all the farmers decide that, hey, let's get up at four in the morning and start <laughs> because, working? Because you want to start working without any sun. I mean, ah, it's more efficient. Right. It's the heat. It's the heat, the sun. The sun it's can brutal. get, it's, it's draining. Yeah. Yeah. So. So is that why people end up underneath trees taking a little siesta? Just. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me, I think, on the farm. I would be sitting, let's just take a break here. You know, the sun's out. We don't want to get a heat stroke. It's funny, but yeah. I mean, I I don't take siesta. No. And certainly not when I'm there. I mean, you will never, ever no see. No one catch you underneath the tree? No, never. Okay. That's another thing. That's another thing. I'm very strict when it comes to yeah. being at the farm. I'm always working. Yeah. They will never catch me sleeping or taking a nap or, you know, just. Yeah, because, you know, it's uh, you, you are the one through your actions showing them um, all sorts of things, right? They're, they're picking up on everything, much like a child picks up on their parents and their behavior and what they say and what they do and how they do it. It's that leadership. It's that discipline. So I, I, I commend you. I mean, yes. that's a conscious decision that you're making, too, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. You have to show up in proper attire. You have to be there on time. You have to go with them to the field. You have to experience what they experience to understand yeah. how people work and and how they how they do what they feel out there. Yeah. Are they, how how do they harvest? Do they get thirsty during the day? Those are things that you don't know when you take over. And I'm talking about way back. Now it's now well yeah now, you, now you're a veteran. You're a veteran <laughs> in the game. So I want to bring us a little bit forward and we're getting closer to today so you take over the business you you come at it from a very um educated perspective you know what do we have what do we need you know how can we you know what how's this work you go through that process um you start to kind of find your way in this business mm -hmm. right and you know do you feel like that was a fairly short period of time for you 
And if so, how long did it take you before you got to a place where you're like, okay, I'm a farmer. I get this. We can do this. And did you, as a result, start to continue to build on your father's legacy of the business and build this thing? Uh, So to answer your question, it all began when we decided, when I decided that I I did not want to sell. So I told the owners, my sister and my mother, I said, guys, it's been two years. And my decision is that I don't want to sell. I want to continue with this. Yeah. What did your mom say? You're crazy. (laughs) 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 So, but she wasn't fighting. She just said, hey, you're crazy, but I'm going to love you and support you what you want to do here. Was that the deal? Or was it, did you have a little bit of like, hey, you know, we should, and here's why. Let's just say, let's sell it. Let's head to the island. Let's get some cocktails. And I mean... They were concerned okay, because it's not, it's a little hostile environment for, for, for women, for us. But you're not just any type of woman. <laughs> <laughs> you're fierce, you're bold, you're a fighter, right? You're sharp. So I, the three of us are like that. Yeah. I, my mom is a very strong woman and she said, you're crazy. But every time I give my sister and my mother an idea, it has to be backed up by facts. And because they're analytical. Yes, very, yeah. very. Uh, and it, it has not only happened with the farm, with many other things. Okay. But I said, look, this is an opportunity. I've always wanted to work with community. I've always wanted to empower women. And we have this beautiful land. It has belonged to our family for a very long time. This is the time. This is our time to do it. And what, I mean, it doesn't get any better than now, right? Right. So I want to offer jobs for women. I want to I wanna have fair jobs for men, and I want to educate people on the way they should be treated, the way things should go, because in the agricultural world, it's so unfair. It's so unfair for the people that actually do the hard work. Okay. Um, it's regulated in Colombia, but... In the eastern plains of Colombia, it's still, you know... A little different. Very, very remote. <laughs> they very beat to their own drum. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And but you saw... So you saw an opportunity not only to take over the farm and keep it within the family and, and sort of, you know, build on your father's legacy and generations before, but you were looking at this as an opportunity to really, um, you know, affect change. Yes, that's on a lot of other areas of um, some more of this kind of the social side. Exactly. And that's that's where everything merged. Okay. And it was an opportunity. It is an opportunity. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. For instance, uh, one of the jobs when I saw the opportunity, not, not it was an opportunity, I, I need to hire an assistant. Okay. I said, I, I can't be doing everything. Right. I need to hire somebody to help me. I thought about myself. I thought about me being a single mom, wanting to work from home and being with my child. Yeah. So I thought, I need an assistant that can work from home, has a child, okay. maybe be sing- a single mom or the husband working elsewhere. Perfect opportunity. Both of the assistants that I've had have been single moms and cared for their children there. So that's that's you know that's kind of like my train of thought. I, I always want to do this. I want to... Yeah. That's wonderful, Antonia. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) You're just very conscious and thoughtful about, you know, some of the opportunities that you want to share with others. Yeah. Yeah. How has the team... So earlier we talked about the fact that you were coming in as a... As a strong female woman, which is fantastic. I was raised by a strong female. So I I (laughs) totally... I get that. I respect that. I think it's wonderful. Um, Shout out to my mom. She always listens to the shows (laughs) and you come into this environment, you know, obviously it's fairly disruptive, right? I mean, change is very difficult for most people to, to deal with. Right. But at some point things start to normalize and the dust settles. Do you, what's left? Um, if we look at where you started at that moment till today, I mean, in terms of your, you know, your team, your personnel, do you feel like the majority stayed on and you have these great relationships because you really got to build those relationships, listen to them, establish trust and respect and all those things that go into any healthy relationship? Or do you feel like, hey, we just had to, <laughs> we had to purge, we had to get rid of a bunch of people. 
What does that look like? We had to purge. Yes. Really? Yes. There was a purge? Yes. That bad? That bad. That bad. Did you go in with this idea of, of, of trying to foster relationships and try to keep things intact? Definitely. So yeah, that's that's exactly what I wanted. Wow. So I needed, I had angels on the way. Yeah. Really. There were people that were out there telling me what state everything was in and what I needed to do and who I needed to hire. And I was able to hire really good people at the beginning that are still with me. They're very honest and they are, they're there. They're, they're, they back me up 100%. Yeah. And, and I back them up. We have created a culture where there's a lot of communication, which is very difficult there. We speak the same language, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that we understand each other sometimes. Oh, that's, that's a gem right there. <laughs> <laughs> we speak the same language, but it doesn't mean we understand each other all the time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. So I've created systems so that we sit down, we have meetings, we talk. Um, in that particular area of Colombia, people don't talk. People withhold a lot of information, and that's hard. Okay. That's hard because you would think, just tell me, I need to know. Right. So I've created that culture. How did you do that? What's your technique? What do you, what do you do? To I'm a social scientist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's a natural thing yeah. to talk to people. They open up, they, they just talk You establish to you. trust. Yes. And they yes. trust you. And so yeah. therefore, now do you give them cookies and milk too? They kind of <laughs> aid the process. <laughs> You know, little things. You know, some people do that. You really? sit down with milk and cookies. Like, yeah, they, they feed them Oreo cookies and the milk, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they start to just open up. <laughs> well, you know, that's important. I've, I've done little things that are not done there much of it. Little things that are normal here in the States. That would be normal to celebrate somebody's birthday. I celebrate everybody's birthday monthly. So, for right. instance, this month is going to be my birthday, and I'm going to celebrate it with all the March people, you oh. know? Some of them, believe it or not, some people in the harvest or some people from maintenance, they have never had anybody celebrate oh. their birthdays. And they, they, they look at us like, wow, this is new. Like, yeah, what do they do with this? Yeah, it's, oh it's a new gosh. thing. Little That's so things. cool, Antonia. I got to applaud you for that. I mean, you know, beyond the work, it's like you're, whether you think so or not, you're affecting these people's lives and their whole you know, feeling about their work and, you know, showing up to at the farm and their relationships with other people. And, you know, these things also kind of have a compounding effect in my experience is that because you do something like that for somebody else and then it makes them a little bit more consciously aware and they might end up doing that for somebody else that hasn't had that same experience. I would hope so. But they have brought a lot of joy in my life as well. It's not only my effort as yeah. a person that has had a lot of opportunities in life mm -hmm. towards them. It's also them towards me, you know. It's like a family. It, it is. It becomes a family. It becomes a family. Uh, they, they teach me so much. They, yeah. they teach me so much respect for the land, for the work, the hard work that they do. Right. It's, it's got to be, it's a lot of work. It's, it's got to be respected. Yeah, it, you know, yeah, it's, a, it's hard work. Anybody that's uh, in any type of farming business and working land, and I mean, that's that's work. Um, in some regards, it's great that the technology is coming along to kind of help in that process to a certain extent because, man, it, it could just be so labor-intensive and damaging to the body. Yeah, you yeah, know? for sure. So we, we sort of, you know, for, you know, come forward to where you're at today in the farm. How long have you had the business now, total? Since 2014. 2014. Yes. Wow. So you are a full-fledged farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it feel like that to you, or do you feel like you're still learning? Eric, I'm always in the process. I never stop. Yeah. Never, especially now. Okay. You mentioned technology. Right now, next week, I'm okay. starting I'm starting a precision agriculture uh, project. Yeah. And it's going to last six months to establish it and to teach everybody how to use it. So we're merging all the spreadsheets that I created and everything that I do to run operations and, and accounting and everything. It's going to merge into an app. Interesting. So yeah. you're adopting some new technology 
to improve the efficiency of the farm. Exactly. Yeah. And have you have you been able to grow the business in these years that you've taken over from in, in sort of carry your father's vision forward? Yes. So at some point, and that's when everything split as well. And when I decided, because, you know, when you have the mind that you're going to sell, you're kind of like, I want to invest, but I don't want to invest that much because we're selling, right? right. You have that mindset like, oh, I don't want to eradicate these many trees, even though it's not efficient enough because we're selling, because somebody's got to buy it, you know, and uh, that's the way it's going to be. Right. So I had to eradicate some plots a lot, like 100 hectares to in order to regrow trees. Okay. And uh, for them to be efficient. And that's the point where I told uh, my sister and my mother, look, I need to make this investment if we're going to keep this. Right. So I did. And um, and right now they're going to start producing this year. So Really? Yeah. That was... That was yeah. So you made some calculated decisions. Mm -hmm. They were difficult decisions. Very. But they were forward-thinking decisions. Yes. I love that. I love that. Yes. Now... As we sort of start to wrap things up here, um, your your business is rather unique, like we've talked about. I mean, most people tend to have a local business, but you're living here in Orange County in the States, and you're traveling between here in Colombia to the farm, and you live in these two different worlds, mm -hmm. right? And I know that some entrepreneurs that I talk to, or, or especially students of mine that are you know excited about the idea of having businesses, they're sometimes looking for businesses where, you know, they can travel a little bit, right? It's like, how can I work? How can I travel? What type of thoughts or feedback or tips for success would you give people that are thinking about running a business where, you know, you're, you're in one location, but you got to travel to the other location to kind of run that business? I mean, how, what are the tools and tricks and things that you've learned along the way in this journey that's aided in your success? Because it, it must feel rather difficult than being physically present all the time. Yeah, technology, definitely. Gee. The use of technology is pivotal. You cannot run a business without technology nowadays. Yeah. Um, another one is um, establishing schedules for yourself. Okay. Always plan ahead. And that's something that I learned here in, in the U.S. Uh, everything here is planned. In Colombia, not so. I mean, you plan, but not 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 ahead of time. Mm -hmm. At the farm, everything has to be on time because you know I'm not there all the time. Right. So we have schedules. Things have to be done my way, in my schedule, and they already know. Yeah. Like, oh, this is coming up. Uh, the season, the pest season is coming up, so we already have to have all the equipment and all the necessities right there for right. when that happens. You know, planning ahead of time, it's super important. Okay. Um, another tip. What about the team? Because I feel like, you know, you have been very conscious with the people that you've picked out to be sort of your, your eyes on the ground or your feet on the ground when you can't be there. How significant is that to you in running your business? That's the, They are the most important asset there. I mean, I could not do what I do without them. It's, this is teamwork. Yeah. And that's what I tell them every time we achieve something awesome. I say, this is not me. This is not you. This is all of us. Right. This is ours. Right. You and when you go back down there, do you make a point to spend some quality time with these people or take them out and do different things? Yes. Yes. I celebrate everything. Uh, we have our meetings. They they can always reach me and they right. know. They There's a local number. They call me all the time. Okay. You know, we're, we're in constant communication. Yes, for that sure. That's very important. If you're not in constant communication with your team, that's that's right. that's impossible to run. Yeah, I mean, communication is everything, right? Exactly. It is. Uh, it, it's definitely at the core of um, any successful venture, any relationship, any business, you name it, right? Exactly. Honest communication. It's got to be there. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, and. Um, Last question for you. What is on the business side? Where do you see yourself, you know, five, ten years out with the farm? What does it look like to you? Well. I mean, have you, have you taken over more of your cousin's land? No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you established other farms? I mean, what does it look like for you? 
that's the farm is pretty large right now for what I'm for what I do. You know, yeah. um, right now I am overseeing. I'm I'm more involved with the cattle and what I want to do. I'm obsessed with Temple Granding. Have you heard of her? She is um, an autistic woman okay. that created all these systems to treat cattle fairly and livestock in general. And that's what I want to do for the cattle. I want to, and this has been all my mother, to be honest with you. She okay. hired an amazing veterinarian that has led us that way to treat animals fairly, the right way, so they're not scared, so they can run through uh, the corrals and everything in a, in a very nice way. At the end of the day, this is what we eat. Right. Um, so well, it, it's interesting too on this topic. Um, I know there's, this is probably, we could save this for a whole nother discussion on uh, animals and such, but you know, it, I think just from a perspective of, you know, not triggering more stress within the animals yes. is really important because that stress then, it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that then produced, the animals then is triggered to release different things into their, their body that exactly. could then be harmful to people that consume it. Exactly. So you have to understand animal behavior in order to treat it fairly, nicely, and for them to have a good life, which they do because this is this is 100% grass-fed. Yeah, that's the best. So, right. yeah, but they get scared and they have to get used to people. So I'm learning. I'm honestly yeah. devouring, devouring books about her and reading a lot and understanding how animals should be treated. So uh, the political science books are to the side, and now it's all <laughs> agricultural books. Not really; they're still there. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always reading. Going through them, and then last thing. So, are are there public tours at the farm? I mean, can people show up to the farm and go on a tour? I mean, how does that work? Uh, I mean, or is this closed? Is this one of those farms that's way up? I go to the jungle, <laughs> like Indiana Jones, to kind of make my way, and there's no path there. It's a secret place. It's not a secret place, but I'm actually thinking about opening a glamping business there. For people that, you know, a really cool thing that people can go to and yeah. experience all this beautiful life yeah. uh, in the in the eastern plains of Colombia. See how we manage the cattle, go into the plantation, hang out with people out there. I love there. It. it. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, hey, listeners, um, <laughs> sounds like this farm of Antonia's is going to end up on the VRBO Airbnb site here in the near future. <laughs> Be on the lookout. So, Antonia, I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. I think it's remarkable to see um, how you took a very challenging situation for yourself and for your family, and you just rolled up your sleeves and fought through that and persevered. And I think that your story and for those that are listening is going to serve as a reminder that anything's possible when you put your mind to it and you know i i'm sure your father is, is looking down at you and is extremely proud of you thank you eric thank you so, so much all right thank you antonia thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.